like family with Brenda Donoghue. This bank holiday weekend, let's picture family life in Ireland exactly as it is right here, right now. And you can join the conversation on Twitter at Brenda Donoghue or email brenda at rte.ie. KC is in County Meath and it's all about the number three. She's in third class, there are three people in her family and her mammy Emma is expecting triplets with Dave. With her three sisters about to be born any day, KC fills me in. It could happen any day now. Um, We have everything ready to go. Like? We have the three bags in the boot. And for the hospital. So you are the only child here. I am. So what's about to change? The weirdest thing for me, I think, is going to be saying our mum, because I've only ever said my mum. So it's going to be weird. (laughs) She has to share me. (laughs) I am very excited because I always wanted a brother or sister, but I never thought I would ever get three. Maybe in different goes, but not in the same. You Do just you? wish too hard, I think, did you? Yeah. We'd have wish each. Do you know how calm and quiet things are now and how you're kind of number one everywhere? Does it all go to be thrown upside down in a couple of weeks? Or, or today, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe even during this interview we might start going into that. My water's are broken. Emma, all joking aside, how imminent are the arrival of... The they literally could come any minute. I'm not even going to say any day because I woke up this morning and I was like, this could, I was saying to David, like, that could have happened last night. I was thinking, like, I'm going to have to go in last night. Just getting, just, I'm really feeling at the end of it all now. Like, you know, I can feel all the pressure and feeling all the, the, the end twinges, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, it couldn't, really can happen any minute now. I'm terrified of walking up the stairs. I'm like, is the water's going to break when I go up the stairs? <laughs> Uh, no, well, I was going to put out of work for a couple of weeks now due to the COVID 19. I do driving as a job, but uh, yeah, closed down first. I was told it was going to be a week, then I was told it was two weeks, and then now it's just kind of waiting on a call to come back to work, really. You know, so I hope he doesn't go back too soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, I, like I didn't think it was going to hit or impact this hard, you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah. You're going to be busy, let's hope all go well. When did you hear about the pandemic? When I first heard about it in China, like, I didn't think much of it, like, mm. but I didn't see the seriousness of it. It's something that happens to other people, you know, that kind of way. It wasn't something that we were thinking of, but then as it started creeping into our lives through the hospital, every two weeks you could kind of see the restrictions being greater, you know, at at all times. And then it was actually our very first appointment in the Rotunda because I've been attending Drata. But we didn't actually realise until we got to the door that David wasn't allowed in. Yeah, the security guy just said, I'm not allowed in, we'll just put it that way. (laughs) And I think that was the beginning of it as well for me, for the worry, because I was sitting there and I was thinking to myself, like, what what what's gonna happen from here? Like if he's not allowed in now, like what's gonna happen next? How are the restrictions going to impact on the births? Well, I'll be allowed in for the delivery only. Then as soon as the babies are delivered, I'll be asked to leave the hospital. 
Uh, I won't be able to go up to the knee queue to see them at all the six or seven weeks they're going to be in there. So, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have three babies that I'll see for maybe five minutes when they're born, and then they're going to be rushed straight to the NICU. And then, uh, yeah, I'll have to leave Emma there after having the C-section on her own. Then I'll have to leave my three little premature daughters in the NICU on their own for six or seven weeks. Like, we already knew Casey wasn't going to be able to be a part of the NICU journey in the sense that she wasn't going to be allowed in to meet her sisters. But it means that I myself only have 15 minutes to visit the babies every day. So that's at five minutes per baby? But, uh, I'm just going to be trying. Sorry. <laughs> Everyone's crying. <laughs> I'm just going to be trying to. The babies are already so loved. And when they come, sorry. <laughs> We're all, we all want to enjoy them, you know, but I know that I'm going to be bringing so much love from our house to the hospital with me in the 15 minutes, you know. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough, but it has to be done, you it know. Has to be like, done. it's understandable. This is the thing. Like, we do understand. It's a while, it is frustrating. I do understand it at the same time, you know. It's got to be a long few weeks. What is your ultimate dream, say, at the moment? <laughs> Just to get out of the house and go out <laughs> and see friends. Yeah. When I close my eyes, I'm more excited to hug my little sisters. When I'm closing my eyes and I'm thinking about what I cannot wait for. I can't wait for my mum to be able to come. I can't wait for your mum to come. Yeah. I'm getting upset again. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just can't wait to introduce everybody to the babies. That's what it is. I don't want to have to be standing outside the window with these little parasols. Little tiny babies. This is Packy in County Wexford, and he's four. That's Ed, teaching him the guitar. He lives with his mum, Becky, his little sister, Bella Rose, and his big sister, Molly, who's in fifth class. I first met the family when Bella Rose was a very sick baby. She's now three. It's great to see you again. It's great to be back here. Becky, so much has changed, but first of all, the tattoos. Well, yeah. <laughs> Added a few, all right. So I suppose the biggest one is what I got done for Bella. It says, though she is but little, she is fierce. Um, and it's covered with roses, obviously, Bella Rose. So I have a crown, princess crown for Molly. Um, I have a sugar skull on my back. I think I had a bit of a, a bit midlife, <laughs> midlife crisis <laughs> or something. Yeah, I went, I was to get more done. But to be honest, the pain of the one that's here on my elbow was just so bad. I was like, right, I'm taking a break for a little while. So the interesting thing about your experience as a family with the lockdown is that it's not a new experience to you. Since we had Bella nearly four years ago now, um, every single bug or germ was life-threatening to Bella and it always has been life-threatening. Kind of for the first two years especially, we were in lockdown. I left my house once a week and that was when I had a Jack and Jill nurse that came in. We didn't let people in. We've always been in isolation. And I just think maybe if people could sit back and have a think about what it's like for a full-time carer or a parent or a family that have really, really sick kids, that this is what their life is like. You're now living, living a carer's life. And, and it could be really, really good for people to really understand now what their neighbour or their sister or their cousin or the woman down the road that has that sick child, what their life is really like. Can we talk about homeschooling? How do you feel? Oh God, panic, 
panic just kicks in because to be honest I'm out of education I finished school when I was 15 so that's giving out my age here 22 years ago do you know everything has changed I had no idea where to even start with this even trying to understand what she was to do in her homework was stressful for me I was reading do this do that and I'm like oh my god so the child had spent 15 minutes explaining to me what she had to do so that I could help her actually do it so tensions were getting very high then and she was getting frustrated because she didn't know how to do it and because I couldn't help her do you know what I mean? And it just oh, it escalated into absolute World War Three. I swear to God, it was terrible. We were arguing, we were screaming at each other. She was crying, absolutely shaken. She was so wound up and, and just uh, emotionally distressed over it. Did you feel the pressure to kind of not let the side down? Yeah. I felt the pressure myself as a parent that if my child didn't have all her homework done like everyone else's children did, that I would be frowned upon, that I would be, I don't know, letting her down and letting myself down as a parent. Did it affect the rest of the house, not just you? Oh my God, of course, of course, because me and her started to fight. And, and she stormed up into her room and she's howling, screaming. And I'm saying, well, you stop. The neighbours will think that I'm killing you in there. And she's crying. You don't understand. And I'm crying, going, will you just listen to me? And then Patchy and Bella then are there wanting my attention or wanting something. So they're getting, not screamed at, but they're like, wait, wait, wait. So the whole house just erupted like a volcano of, of madness. So that's a whole day has been destroyed all over homework. I said, Molly, close your books, put that homework away. I'm going to I'm going to speak to your teachers. And because she was crying, saying, oh, I can't not do it, ma'am. I'll get in trouble. And I was like, no, I'll deal with this. Oh, my God. It was unbelievable. It was a whole different turning point. This this horrible situation that we were in suddenly flipped that it was exciting. It was I was going to get everything from my childhood. And I was going to teach them. So life lessons with Becky Furlong. Yeah. <laughs> Talk with some of them. I need to learn. Right. So it started with, with growing a few vegetables, which has now turned into one quarter of our garden is now a vegetable patch. I can see yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. That was all recycled wood that someone gave me. And we made the, the boxes and we've started to watch videos of growing vegetables. My mom ordered me a beautiful uh, vegetable um, book. So we have a, a go-to Bible now of vegetables, grown vegetables. Okay, so grown vegetables. Yeah. yeah. Um, then we decided that we needed masks. So in buried in my shed was my sewing machine that was gone mouldy nearly. I got a good scrub. So we decided to make masks. Like for your face. Yeah. 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 Protective yeah. masks. So you and Molly, we do this yeah. together. Yeah. Really? We have. Wow. Mm. We can't so there are these homemade masks so you can say away from the coronavirus when you're going around we have all different patterns this one my one has roses on it with polka dots and it's black and did you sew the elastic um well? so sometimes sometimes you done I these sew, ones yeah i done these ones i think oh they're gorgeous so Patrick has um, a guitar one it's and a rock star one isn't it um, it's on what did you learn to make the other day my nanny used to make this crumble for my mum and all, um, out of berries, and we decided to make it. So we video called Nanny, and Nanny talked us through how to bake Nanny's crumble. Yeah. So she learned how to cook. What do you think now, 
I feel what's really important is to teach your kids what you know for life. Ahmed and Rima are a young married couple from Dublin and they're learning a lot about each other during the lockdown. I think not getting out of the house and being confined all the time, you kind of lose your passion. I think there's almost like a sense where we've lost touch with reality. Like there's, you almost feel like you're in a, like a time loop or like a warp where you don't know what day it is. It's always a Sunday. Like, do you know what kind of way? Yeah. What, when are you having breakfast? Two o'clock. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what kind of way? Like, you just no idea what's going on. Yeah, you, you wake up and you think, is this a dream? But it, it actually, it's reality now. Mm. You know, there's a, there was a saying, I think truth is stranger than fiction. That's reality. And I always think of that now when I, when I wake up in the morning. I know how important family is too. And, you know, you see family every day practically. Basically, yeah. And now with the COVID, uh, you're probably on your own more than you've ever been before. Is it like a bit of a second honeymoon? Or is it a bit of pressure? Or how do you find it? Well, I think like, when I start, I think for me, because like I'm not working at the moment, because I was doing a lot of sub in schools. The schools are obviously closed. So I'm at home more than Ahmed is because he's still working during the week and everything that I feel like I could climb the walls some days. Do you know kind of way? But I'd say like some days it's really nice to be together and it feels like, you know, the rest of the world is closed off. So you have no option but to be together. It's really nice. We're making dinners. We're watching movies, the other kind of way. But then other days you're like, oh my God, if you breathe again, I swear I'm going to cry. <laughs> so it's a bit of both. And I suppose we're learning new things about each other as well. What would you say about that? Yeah, um, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's like a second honeymoon. Friend. <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> but uh, it, it is good spending uh, quality time uh, with the missus. Um, I actually was off work for approximately a week. It was good at the start, but then, you know, I started going mental like, a, you know, I didn't know what to do with myself. I mean, I was going out, you know, for, you know, the daily walks, uh, you know, within two kilometers, etc. But, um, you know, usually on your days off from work, you'd like to go into town, uh, you know, shop around for a bit or, you know, go to the park, something. But, you know, you can't even do that. So, um, you know, as it is, like I'm a person at home that, you know, she's a witness. I like to, you know, go around cleaning the house and hoovering and all and I was doing it a bit too much and I was getting given out to just for yeah it was madness you know, yeah yeah, yeah. I, I tend to have very cat-like tendencies I'd say I'm like very like oh I'll just lounge for like 12 hours of the day and then sleep for the next 12 hours but no she needs she needs to teach me her ways I have to learn how to be like a yes. cat you know a pro at relaxing I need to teach him that and um, what's getting on my nerves about him I would say is just I'd say like what most girls are feeling right now is the gaming. Do you know, like, oh, my God, you're in the same house as me. How could you not want to give me all of your attention? Why are you still playing on the Xbox? Do you know, as most I say, most girls at home, most women are like, yes, yes. Tell him I don't understand. Like it's it's been like six hours. Get off it. I'm right here. Hello. That's a bit of an over exaggeration. <laughs> six hours. No, but I do think just that time does go into a bit of an yes. hour when you are playing the Xbox. That's whatever. understandable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He knows he's guilty. So yeah, yeah, it's a bit of both. I think the last time I met you, you were both in around finishing college. Yeah. So really embarking upon your careers and the excitement of all of that. How has the COVID affected that? 
And I go on, you go first. Because you, you graduated, like you're applying for stuff. Okay, yeah, well, um, I did, a, I actually did just graduate in October of uh, 2019 in, uh, in uh, mathematical sciences um, from Dublin Institute of Technology, which is now known as TUD. After I graduated, and um, I just took a little bit of a, you know, a couple of months break to unwind from that hectic lifestyle. And I just stayed at my part time job um, in Tesco. And um, afterwards, after the couple of months, I said, I'm going to start applying now for some jobs within my field of mathematical sciences. And um, probably about a week or two into it, that's when uh, the COVID restrictions happened. So I was thankful. I said, at least I still have my uh, retail job and um, I'm still, uh, you know, working yeah. full time. So just retail as well. outlets, the supermarkets are busier than ever. Mm-hmm. So Ramadan, mm-hmm. okay, not eating from... Just till dawn, sunrise till sunset. Sunrise till sunset. Yeah. Like Ramadan for us, like regardless of, of the COVID-19, would be like a time for reflection, a time for kind of going back to like, what is our fate? What does it mean? What can I apply to myself? I've applied before. Kind of like a self-growth, a spiritual journey, um, which I love like taking taking part of like every year and also decorating the house, having our Ramadan decorations. So I suppose this year more than ever, I think I need it anyway, because I've been going mad. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course you love a good party too oh yeah yeah, yeah. so the festival at the end of ramadan mm. really important yes who knows what's going to happen mm. possibly not having the same social interaction yeah we're gonna have to think of something else to do you know with within limits and uh, we're not going to be able to see our friends and family uh, during that time so do you know, because I suppose for Ramadan, we kind of have solutions. So like a lot of the girls are like setting up Zoom meetings where we can like, you know, meet once a day, have a chat. How are we feeling about Ramadan? How is the fast affecting us? You know, reflect on maybe some passages of like scripture. But I suppose for Eid, like you want to be there, you want to celebrate. We have like Eid parties in like parks. We have bouncy castles. Kids are playing. There's like food stalls everywhere. Like you're eating ungodly amounts of food, ungodly amounts of samosa. So... I don't know. It's a bit sad. <laughs> like it's weird. It's a it's a surreal. It's almost like, I suppose, the only way I can describe it is waking up on Christmas Day with no Christmas tree. Or presents. Weird. Yeah, or presents. Yeah. Like it'd just be weird. Can you hear me? Just here to say hello. Kate is visiting her mother Nell at the window of her nursing home. And you're looking great. Absolutely, the colour is back in your face. Nell will be 80 tomorrow and birthday cards are arriving from all over the country. Chatting away, so she is, which is great. Chatting away. Yeah. We'll see what happens when this is all over. Okay, love you. Kate is so pleased to see her mother looking better after her recovery from COVID-19. Looking at her now, she's looking great, she's healthy, she's eating, she's chatting away, um, she's kind of making a bit of sense every now and again. And is she asking after your dad? She is now, yes. Um, I was just talking to her through the window and she just said I, she can't find him. Um, and. You don't keep telling her that 
what's happened. So she is looking for him um, and looking in his room to see where he is, um, which is upsetting because she, she, yeah, she doesn't know what's going on. John, her husband of 55 years, died from COVID-19 at the end of March. Um, she was brought into his bedroom to see him when he had passed away, but I don't think she comprehended what was going on. Mm. It, it didn't, like us all, it hasn't gone, it hasn't sunk. So your dad came to the nursing home here two years ago. Yes. Why, why did he come here? Parkinson's and vascular dementia. We still brought him out every Tuesday, myself and my brothers and my sister would still, even when he could walk and then when he couldn't, we pushed them around and he would still love to go out for a pint and love, love the social side of it, talking to people and um, getting out and about. And then your mum joined him in here. Why, why did she come into the North home as well? She got Parkinson's and liked the idea of coming up here to be with dad. And they liked being together, having their meals together, sitting together, holding hands, all very lovey-dovey and watching telly together and a happy life here for the last two years. Very, very happy. If it's okay, and don't worry if it's not, but can you talk to me about what you as a family experienced? Well, we didn't experience anything because we weren't part of it. So we were all just at home waiting for phone calls every day for about two weeks. So it was me getting a phone call, Aruna getting a phone call from the nursing staff and then having to ring our brothers individually and repeat the, the conversation. And we were doing that maybe once or twice a day, every day for about two weeks. Um, and then waiting for the final call. And we knew it was coming. Um, and then having to ring your siblings and tell them that over the phone, couldn't be together. There was no, there was no final goodbyes or holding his hand or... No, it's, 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 I can't explain how horrible the whole thing is because it's not sunk into me. It's just something that hap happened and we just were like automatically going through the process. Um, and even his funeral, it was just us in individual cars. Father Paul in the Sorth Parish thankfully gave him, allowed us into the church, obviously sitting correctly. Um, and gave him a, a little send off that way and then straight to Dardistown. Um There was no tears, there was no stories. We stood outside, we drank a little jemmy for him. And it was all done and dusted, I say, within an hour. And it was unreal that I buried my dad that morning and I was home making dinner that evening. It was like nothing happened because there was there was no send off. There was no seeing him, there was no crying, there was no... I'm getting upset now, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was a horrible, horrible time. I don't know how you're doing that, Kate. Uh, Brenda, I come up here and I still think I'm going to see him or that he's in there somewhere. Do you know what I mean? That he's around because I haven't got to do the closure thing. Um, love you mighty is his biggest saying and he says it to everybody, I love you mighty. And I can hear him saying it in his Donegal accent. I love you mighty. So, yeah, it's not until we get complete closure that this will sink in.
thanks to our families for giving us a picture of their family life in pandemic Ireland. If you would like to share your story, you can contact me at brenda at rte.ie. This programme was produced by Eileen Hearn.